So, about four weeks ago, my mom passed away after a very long battle with a form of dementia. And about three years ago, three years ago in January, my dad passed away right in the midst height of COVID. So we had a lovely service for him uh, in January of 2021, but uh, it was just our family. So we really didn't get to honor him publicly. So this afternoon, we will have a celebration of life for my mom and include my dad in a bit of that as well. So as we've been getting ready for that, I've been thinking a lot about my parents, my mom and dad, who they were, what they brought, what they instilled in me. I thought about what words I could say to truly describe who they were, what things I could share that would honor the legacy that they've left behind. And as I've been listening to this whole series and prepping for the message that I'm going to give today, I've realized that my mom and dad were a beautiful example of the grace value that we've been talking about all month long, the value of put me in coach. You see, my parents believed in the local church. My parents loved the local church. My parents gave their lives giving and serving in the local church. Actually, they spent the last 30 years of their lives giving to this church, loving Grace Church, serving many of you in this room and online. My dad was an elder for many years. He served in the men's ministry. He became a chaplain and served and led Bible studies at Pendleton Prison. And in the later years of his life, my dad stood right outside those doors and greeted everybody as they walked into this auditorium as an usher, usually with a really, really bad joke. <laughs> he loved a joke. He'd say the same thing to people every time. Every time, I, when he passed away, they were like, your dad greeted me every Sunday exactly like this every single week. And then my mom, she loved to make things beautiful. So she uh, would, would make every event for women's ministry look beautiful. Ask Patty Fromke and Linda Flatt about my mom. And then my mom watched my four babies so that I could serve and work at Grace Church. She served you well by doing that. And they gave her the resources. My dad was the most generous person I have ever known. I learned about generosity sitting next to my dad in church and watching him give week after week after week, way more than a tithe. Every missionary that asked for money, every organization that he believed in that asked for money, my dad gave money to. He practiced free dentistry for pastors and church staff and missionaries that were home. My dad was a giver. They truly exemplified the value of put me in coach. And they didn't do this out of some legalistic obligation or some forced ideal. They did it because they loved this community. They loved the body of Christ. 
And out of that deep love came an even deeper desire to see this community flourish and live fully and wholly. They believed their part, their contribution mattered, not just for them, but for the whole. As it says in Ephesians 4, 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. They knew that their contribution, their giving of resources and time and energy and would build up everyone around them, the whole community, it would help the other parts grow. And because they loved this community, Grace Church, because they loved you, they joyfully said, put me in, coach. We've been in this series for the last several weeks, looking at the value of each of us understanding that we are a masterpiece created to do good works and then knowing what our passions are and knowing what our gifts are and using them to build up the body. We all, every single one of us has something to contribute. You have something that is needed. People in this congregation need you to use your unique self and all that you are to help them. The Apostle Paul says too in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 21, yes, the body has many parts and, just, and not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We cannot have a church that is healthy, growing, and full of love if we are all a bunch of ears or mouths, or hands. Every part is essential. Every person is essential. We are all masterpieces. We are all needed. We need everyone in the game. But why are we in the game in the first place? What is this game that we're talking about that everyone needs to be a part of? What is it built on? It is built on our genuine love for each other. Love that is humble and patient and kind and all the things that Jesus calls us to be. And to get a better picture of what this love looks like, what this community looks like. We're going to be back in Romans 12, starting in verse 9. So if you want to turn there in the house Bibles that are in front of you, it's going to be page 945. Uh, or you can, if you're at home, good hello to you. Those of you that are online, we're glad you're here. Whatever Bible you're looking at, I don't know what page it is, but we're going to be in Romans 12. And it's on your app, and it's going to be on the screen here in just a minute. So let me pray for us before we get going. Dear Lord, I am just so grateful to be here this morning. 
And I'm grateful for the people in this space and those that are watching online. And Lord, I just pray right now that the words that you've given me, that they would be words that we all need to hear. I know I needed to hear them, but Lord, I pray that they are something that your spirit can work through. Uh, If there's anything I need to change, that your spirit would move in me to do that. But that each person here and online would be able to hear what you want to say to them this morning. May I get out of the way so that you can be clearly seen, heard, and understood. Lift this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you will read along with me, Romans 12, starting in verse 9, going to verse 18. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them, always eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. This is our mandate, Grace Church. This is what it means to live like Christ. This is who we are to be to each other, to the rest of the world. This is what the upside-down kingdom of Jesus looks like. And it's not easy, but it is who we are called to be. I want to look at each verse. I want to break down each verse to see what Paul is telling each of us. So let's go back to verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. This kind of love here that he's talking about, to love others, to really love them, this kind of love is love without hypocrisy. It is a sincere love. It isn't a love that says one thing and does another. As a matter of fact, it is a love that is way more about doing than saying. It is love as a verb, more about action than feeling. This is is the kind of radical love that Jesus talks about. And then it's the kind of self-sacrificing love that Jesus displayed on the cross for all of us. In Luke 6, 31 through 34, Jesus talks about this love. And he says this in verse 31, do to others as you would like to have like them to do to you. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Then he goes on and says this, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. That's the kind of love Paul is talking about here. Do to others as you want them to do to you. You don't give so you get back. You give out of self-sacrificing, humble love for the other. That is the kind of love Paul is talking about. 
Maybe you're thinking, well, there's people in this room right now that I don't really love like that. Actually, I don't love them much at all. And that feels kind of hypocritical to pretend I love them. Again, we are not talking about pretending to have a feeling of love. We are talking about love and action. Even those that annoy you or, or actually completely tick you off, if you treat them with love and you give of yourself for them and you pray for them, that feeling of love will grow in you. It is really hard to be bitter towards someone that you are praying for and that you are serving. It is a humble kind of love. This doesn't mean that you endure abuse or vicious behavior. Sometimes, sometimes the most loving thing that you can do for someone and for yourself is to set a boundary. But it is approaching each person, even those that annoy you, with love, humble, genuine love. Then it goes on to say, we are to hate evil and cling to good. God did not intend evil. God is good and the source of goodness. Genesis 1:31. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. He is goodness from the beginning. That's what he intended for us. And it's not either or, it's both. We are his followers. So we hate what is evil, the brokenness and the despair and the pain of this world. That's why we work hard to repair and restore and re reconcile it. And we cling to stick or hold together and resist separation to join, unite, or embrace. We cling, we unite, we join to what is good. This starts with our surrender to Jesus and then allowing him and his spirit to transform our lives into the goodness that can only come from him. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Again, genuine affection, unhypocritical. And we delight in putting others above ourselves, allowing others to shine, Back to 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul is talking about the parts of the body. He says in verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Honoring each other is good for the whole. Delight in honoring each other. Verse 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. We work hard for each other, not because we have to, but because of our deep love for each other and the community as a whole. We just got done putting on a production of The Music Man. And that starts with auditions. And then we put people in roles and half these people don't know each other. They've never met before and they come together and their, their purpose of being together is working on this show. That's their goal. That's the goal in front of them. But then the Holy Spirit takes over and something unbelievable happens. And all of a sudden they are working hard, not because of the show, but because of the community that has been built and their deep love for each other. A self-sacrificing love that means if one of them falls down, they will pick each other up and they will allow each other to shine around them. Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. 
We rejoice with each other. We are patient with each other. And we pray for each other, especially in times of trouble. Hard times are going to come. We know that for each one of us and for us as a whole. But we are patient with each other. We bear each other's burdens. We stay in the room with each other and we fight through together until we get to the other side. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. We welcome people into our lives, into our homes. When one in our midst is hurting or in need, we show up. And we do that, Grace Church. Our care center is that. Our care center is this verse. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them, and we are ready to help. That's why you need to go out and buy some gifts so that our Christmas store can make sure that every kid gets to open a Christmas present on Christmas morning. We help when people are in need. That is what you do as the body of Christ. 14. Uh, this is a hard one. I tried to skip it last hour, but I couldn't. It's right there. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Again, Jesus addresses this in Matthew 5, just as we read earlier in Luke 6. In Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. Oh, Jesus, he always has to level it up for us. You have heard the, the, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the good, the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He levels it up. You don't just love your neighbors. You love your enemies as well. That one's really easy, and I'm sure we've all got that covered. I know I do. I'm really, really killing it with this one. The past five years, I have had to re-look at this and pray real hard how to do this. Because I don't want to love my enemies. I don't want to love those that I feel like are persecuting me or more than that, persecuting people that I love. But he couldn't be any clearer. We are to love those who persecute us and pray for them. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Be of one mind and heart with each other. Philippians 2.2, 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Consider the other first. Don't wait for them to consider you first. Verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Hmm. I really think I know it all. 
no, the older I get, I'm totally realizing I don't know anything, actually. It's the humble Christ-like attitude Barry talked about the first week. Sophronio, the the, uh, Greek word humble, sober-minded thinking. Let our self-image be humble and right-sized. Living in harmony and putting others above ourselves. Don't think you know it all. Everyone thinks they know it all. Can you imagine how disconcerting and how beautiful it would be if the world, to the rest of the world, if you listened, if you stopped and you just listened to them. And then when you did speak, you spoke kindly and humbly. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. This is another way that the world just gets this wrong. Actually, we get it wrong over and over. We are not living in an upside-down world when we get this one wrong, and we get it wrong a lot. Revenge and vengeance. That's what the world wants Revenge has been masquerading as justice for far too long. And there is nothing, nothing restorative in that for anyone. We cannot mistake revenge for restorative justice. It's our natural inclination, but it is wrong. Zechariah 7, 9, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice Show mercy and compassion to one another. Amos 5, 24, but, the, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. I have struggled with this one too. We have a great defender. He will find justice, restorative justice. It cannot be vengeance. We are to be honorable, and that is hard work. 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. We are to be a people of peace, a peace that can only come from the Holy Spirit, a peace that passes all understanding. Romans 12, 9 through 18, this is our mandate. This is how we are to live with each other and with the rest of this broken world. This is to be our posture. This is how, this is the how of our service to one another. This is the why of our service to one another. This is what our serving is built on. This isn't a suggestion by Paul. It is an expectation. This is how the body of Christ works loves and serves each other. We say, put me in, coach, because of our self-sacrificing, humble, generous love for each other. We serve each other. We show up for each other because like Jesus, we have a deep, abiding, self-giving love for each other. Do you want to see people grow closer to God? Do you want to see people become more like Jesus? Do you want to see people, see people move forward in their discipleship? That is going to take sacrifice on your part. It's going to take you serving the body of Christ in order for people to grow, in order for families to grow, in order for you to grow. 
Being part of a whole, being part of a church is being part of a body that works together, that sacrifices for each other, that serves. When you contribute, you are helping people move closer to Jesus. And isn't that what we are to be all about? I want to be part of the legacy my parents started so many years ago. I want to be part of a loving, giving, humble, serving community. You have given that to me. Any one of you that served in Grace Kids while my babies were growing up and instilled the love of Jesus in them, you gave to my family, you made it possible for Jeff and me to grow. Those that served in, in high school and middle school ministry continued that work in my kids so that we could grow. Those of you that have celebrated with us and mourned with us, you have helped us grow. I want to do that for someone else. You can do that for someone else. Church is not a place, it's a people. And we need to show up for each other so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So today is my last day for a little while. Tomorrow I start a sabbatical. I'll be back the end of February. And my prayer is that over the next many weeks, I can connect more deeply with God, that I can use this gift of time and space to abide and deepen, making room in my life for more transformation so that I can come back, come back to you healthier and more passionate and that the fruits of the Spirit are more evident in my life, that I'm poised and ready to serve you all better and that my giving to you is coming from a place of deep love great humility, and genuine kindness. To quote a line from the music man, I want to come back more interested in us than me. Can we all commit to that, that we will work to deepen our relationship with God, that we will allow the Holy Spirit to continue to transform our hearts, that the idea of sanctification that Barry talked about in the first week of the series, sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus, that we will enter into that so that we can do good kingdom work together. It is only through that sanctification that we can be the kind of community that Paul talks about. When you get a chance, I want you today or at least this week, go back to Romans 12, 8 through, or 9 through 18 and read that again. And really let the word soak in. Because if we live like that, if we serve each other like that, if we invest in one another in our community like that, the impact will be far-reaching. People will be drawn to Jesus through us. We serve each other. We show up for each other because like Jesus, we have a deep, abiding, self-giving love for each other. And when things get tough, and they will, they have, we don't give up, we show up. My parents never gave up and moved on when they disagreed, and they did disagree. They disagreed with some of the decisions. But instead of heading to another church down the street, they stayed and they listened and they were open-palmed 
and teachable, and they humbly engaged in conversation with those around them. I'm going to be really honest. In 2014, my dad was not sure how he felt about the decision for women in leadership. <laughs> dad. <laughs> but you know what he did? He stayed around. He's He and my mom stayed in the room and stayed in this community and still loved and served. And he showed up every single time I preached and wrapped his arms around me and said, you did a good job, kid. The easier cho choice usually is to just leave in any relationship. Staying and digging in and doing the hard work, that's harder. But I believe it's more meaningful. And when you get past the hard, there's beauty. There's beauty. We are the church. When you give, you are giving to each other. When you serve, you are serving each other. When you hold a baby in early childhood, you're making it possible for somebody to grow in their journey. When you serve and lift, you're making it possible for those caregivers to become disciples of Jesus. When you serve on production, you are creating a space for the Holy Spirit to move so that people can deepen their relationship. When you serve in the care center, you are making it possible for people to eat for people to have a car so that they can sustain their lives and move further in their journey with Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. Get in the game, stay in the game, not for you, for us, for the community, so that our light, sorry, so that our light will shine for the world to see. Jesus again, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You, you Grace Church, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We are plan A, church, and there is no plan B. We are the light of the world. So let your light shine. Let's pray. Dear Lord, may we be a people after your own heart. May we be a people that holds to the words that Paul gives us in Romans 12. The hard, humbling words that he 
gives to us, the words that we are to live by, the words that come from you ultimately. Would you sanctify us? Would you transform us? Would you work in and through us so that we can be the people that you call us to be and that our light would shine so beautifully that people would be drawn to you through us. Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for the movement of your spirit. May you be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to close this morning with uh, the way we've closed each, each service. I'm going to ask uh, Micah Evans to come forward, and he's going to share with us a little bit about how he's seen what we've been talking about played out. Micah, thanks for being here. Many of you know Micah. You see him on stage. He serves in many capacities. But tell me what drew you to grace. What got you here? Um, well, it all started with a, a little birdie named Jaden. Um, Jaden. Because he likes birds. Jaden Gaffron. Um, yeah, and so I met him in a JEL class called Music and Media Production at Fisher's High School. Um, and I kept hearing him talk about Merge, which at the time I did not know what Merge was. All I knew was Crew, um, also yeah. known as Campus Crusade. Right. Um, and it, I was like, I want to branch out and do more stuff. Um, and I started going to Merge at Grace Fishers. Um, and I just loved the community. Um, and I was like, so, because I would always see him go to this Grace as well. I'm like, let's go there as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's how I started. So you, you the first way I met you was because you were serving. You were singing and on the worship team, and I was like, oh, let, tell me about yourself. And you're like, well, I do show choir. And I was like, okay, love you. Um, <laughs> That's all you have to say. If you've been in show choir, like we're best friends forever, um, whether you want me to be or not. Um, so you actually jumped in almost before you were really part of the community and started serving. Why, what, why was that important to you? And you serve in lots of different ways. So why, what's, what, what do you find to be compelling about serving and giving? Um, I look at it as in enveloping myself in perfection. Basically, I cannot be perfect, so I cannot create anything that it, that can be perfect because one who does not know something cannot create it. Um, and like the most perfect being in the entire world is Jesus Christ, like perfect love. He's just the eminence of perfect. Um, and enveloping yourself in perfect, you learn when you're surrounded by them. Like you never want to be the smartest man in the room because you learn. Right. So, yeah. So through serving, you are exactly what we're talking about. It's a, this humble, loving community where we're learning from each other. We're growing through serving and loving each other. Iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. We're learning from each other. So tell me, just last question, what does this church mean to you? What does this community mean to you? Um, so fun fact about me. Um, I do not live with my parents. My dad lives in Texas. My mom lives in South Korea. Um, so being in an environment where there's a lot of wise people. Um, I'm able to learn of what to do and what to not do. Um, even though everyone's lives are different, um, it, I'm a person that likes to learn from hearing instead of going through the difficult situations. Mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah, that's, that, I think everybody feels that way. Yeah, you know. Um, and it, it's, it just, it's another family for me. Um, some might say I have 30 families at this point, you know, because the amount of times I've been asked if I was a Gaffrin or an Owens or, you Right, know. yeah, you've but got it, a lot of families. Yeah, um, and I don't hate it because, like, family is a 
group of people that you can be you with. Yeah. Um, and that's how I feel I am with this church. So, yeah. Micah, you could just start, yeah. You could just start um, adding last names and be like Micah, <laughs> Evans, Gaffron, Owens, like just keep going. You'll just yeah. have, a, it'll be like royalty. Yeah, I'll have my own dictionary. Yeah, you know, totally. I love, last I love it. I love it. We love you. We're so grateful for you, and we're so glad that you're a part of our family at Grace. Thank Would you, you help me thank Micah? Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.